Welcome to Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready. We're about to live in your head rent-free. Hello, Otterites. I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Welcome to episode 113. This is our pop culture episode. And this is Robert sitting in the captain's chair. So, guys, this week we are finally getting to a subject that is near and dear to my heart, as you both well know. Uh We're going to be talking about what ifs alternative history now what ifs as you know they had to do a little bit of research to get beyond the stuff that i knew because i wanted to get a little bit more of a a broader idea and actually alternative history uh as a genre goes back really damn far well i was really surprised uh it's very sporadic but going back into you know past uh, ancient days, you know, uh-huh. back into uh, time of the Greeks and the Romans, there's a little bit of that. What would have happened if, you know, uh, Hannibal had won against Rome, sort of thing. Oh yeah, oh, that's uh, right up my alley. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, and you know, a little bit here and there. There was uh, a little bit um, in the church, even, uh, uh-huh. you know, that was a little bit more uh, speculative. Uh, kind of a thing than it was a true alternative history fiction. Right. Yeah. But you know, the the idea was there. Uh, and I think, for me, this whole thing of the what if, what I find fascinating about it, and I guess I'll tackle this now because I know Martin would have asked this <laughs> about halfway through somewhere after the bourbon break, so I'll do it now. Um, for me, it's fascinating because I love the exploration of what could have been. You know, I mean, that's that's what it all turns on, obviously. Sure. But I, I just am fascinated by taking what is familiar and tweaking it. You know? yeah. Even in fiction that I read, read or watch on television, yeah. I like that. So when you take a science fiction and they go to an alternative reality in that science fiction. Right. I like that. You know, sure. like if you look at uh, uh, any of the Stargate episodes where they go back in time. Mm-hmm. Or stuff like that, you know, where they fringe they, was big into that. It had yeah. a whole alternate history of something changed somewhere mm-hmm. on that other side, and yet it's a familiar world, but yet it's not familiar. Well, Star Trek, Mirror Mirror, it's right? Same, you know, yeah, it's the same thing. It's the same yeah. kind of a thing. Days of Future Past. Days of Future Past. It was a, it was a really fun ex- uh, that same idea that yeah. you already start with a fictionalized world that you know, and then try to turn it on its head. And change it exactly, and which brings up a great point. So, in the whole "what ifs," um, probably for myself, the first place I encountered the concept was the comic "What If," right? Yeah. And my first, I the first issue I ever saw was the very first issue. In fact, yeah, you lucky dog. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't. Well, the funny thing was, I saw it on the stands months after it actually appeared. Somehow, it stuck around yeah. until the fourth or fifth was also on the stands, because I, I forget which one was which now, but I got I managed to get two at the same time. They were actually several months apart, which, considering at the time they were bi-monthly... Yeah, I was going to say... Somebody was even not, more. Well, somebody was really sleeping. Well, hey, mm-hmm. it, and you were the winner of that. And too. I was the winner of that, yes. yes. Uh, so, again, you know, it takes that one thing and twists it a little bit. Um, so what, So that's where I first encountered the, the what-if, was literally what-if. What about you guys? What? Where did you guys first encounter, encounter that? Hmm... What do you think, Francis? Well, oh, uh, 
Uh, certainly, that "what if" that you're speaking of there is is one of them. Uh, so, what if Spider-Man had joined the Fantastic Four? For me, it was "what if the Fantastic Four had gotten different powers?" Yes, it was further on down on number issue six, six. I think it was. Yeah, exactly. That was kind of where you start tweaking about well, what if this sort of things had been different? And uh, comic books were certainly the the anchor that did that. Uh, some of the Really great stuff, though, and I know we'll get into this in a little while here. The Harry Turtletub books mm-hmm. were fan- were fascinating about that, yeah. and that was very overt. It was taking basically you turn the knob at a discrete point in history and follow it all the way forward. And of course, the further in time you go, the more divergent it becomes. Where by the time you're in the end, it's almost unrecognizable. Yeah, depending on which series he's done, like yeah. the the big mega series, which right. was and that's the, what I'm talking about, though, which is the 10, I think it was 10 book, maybe 11, because there's the, there's several. Actually, it's an 11 book series. So the first one is Guns of the South. And that's 20 years after the South has won the Civil War. Oh, how few remain. Or how few remain, yes, sorry. Right. How few Guns of the South That's was, a different one. Yeah, Set it, at the exact same time period. Right. But, but it was right. a one-off. And it, it was, was a kinda, one-off. Yeah. And it was kind of his, that's the one that I read first. Uh, it was kind of like a science fiction um one one thing. Right. The trigger was, there was a was, time travel. He was dipping his toe into. I think. I don't. I think it was one of his earlier alternate. I think so. I think that one's from the eighties. Right. Yeah. It was. It was very early in his in his career, which he made a huge career out of it. Uh, and it was like, what do you mean? And of course, the iconic picture on the front of the book of Robert E. Lee holding an AK forty seven. Yeah. <laughs> which is that's that's the whole hook that says, wait a minute. You bring time travel into this, and all of a sudden the South can win, which is what right. happens. Right, massive superiority and firepower. Right, yes. and it was because they're being supplied from the future uh, by white supremacists to, and they, and they, in eighteen sixty four, everything goes different. Right. Yeah, because the, they don't lose the wilderness; they mow them down over and over and over again. And uh, Lee ends up taking, accepting Lincoln's surrender. Right. So, it, so with how few remain, then you get the the trilogy set in. Um, World War One, uh, only it's trench warfare in the United States, and then you get the Weimar Republic era, which is right. and the the rise of what would be uh, the southern equivalent of Nazi Germany, because they start putting blacks into camps and so on, and then you get the World War Two, and then that is a four book. Right, I remember and, the last one, and so, I have not read those, but I have them. They're really good. I've yeah. read them a couple of times just because they're that good. Because the South essentially becomes an ally of Germany. Well, not so much. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more complicated than that. Yeah, because the there there are wars going on around mm-hmm. the same in Europe, but they are separate. The, right. the U.S. is very isolated because, and, and the Confederates are very isolated because. You know, we are still embroiled in that the ter- north south. Thing. Yeah, that never it never really goes away. It's, uh, at at best, there's an uneasy peace at any given exactly. time. Exactly, because there's, there's then there's no reason to become involved in things like the right, Spanish American War. There right. is no Spanish American War because well, I mean, who cares? We're, yeah, we're too busy with messing with each other. Right. Yeah. Uh, and well, the South messes with some of that. I mean, yeah. they don't get involved in the Spanish American War, but they. Uh, they buy territory from Mexico because they have no other way to expand. Right, and so it, right. that brings some A competition for it. the West. Mm-hmm. Plus, then they could try to buy Cuba or territory from Mexico. Right, so that, that's how they get across the continent. Because if you think about the the war, yeah, or, or the, the southern states, they don't have a Pacific Ocean port. Right, max out at Arizona. 
Exactly. And so because California's already on California's the board. already on the board. Yeah. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so that one's really really is fascinating. Um, so, Turtle Dove, and what about you? Uh, oh Martin? goodness, you know I I can't think of anything really. Um, I'm just I'm super fascinated though by this kind of two sets of ideas of these, where you start in a fictional world that's known and tump it over or start in a real world that's known in actual history and tump it over so um, I'm sure there's television shows that I've done that are what ifs and certainly there are Doctor Who episodes that are very similar to that Doctor Who is almost on its face of what if <laughs> right yeah yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you, know, you take, yeah. Those, take those characters and put them in the midst of something yeah, yeah. Which, uh, uh, the um, first few seasons that's what they did because very much so yes. it was very meant to be more educational uh, yeah. And children oriented. Yeah. Um, That's right. You know, there, that brings up a really good point. Uh, there are multiple uh, subgenres of the what if. Yeah. You know, there is the time travel that we talked about to create the historical divergences. There's just the you know, the butterfly flaps its wings kind of a thing where yeah, the uh, want of a nail sort of exactly. Well, tur- with Turtle Dove, wasn't it in, not in Guns of the South, but in the other the other one, How Few Remain in the Rest, wasn't it the 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 Turn point was they found uh, they didn't. Uh, the North never found the plans for Antietam. I'd have to go back and look at because that one I haven't read in a long time. I want to say that's that's how, but I, I want to say that's pretty close to it. Yeah, it's uh, uh, plus the the uh, English and the French they intervene. They on intervene. The that's right. On the, on the that's right. That's that, that's the that's the, the nail in the coffin. That's the only thing that could really make this happen. Yes, we have, and you know, of course, then there's our own discussions on what if. Yeah. We have done that. Um, right. The, what would have happened if... Yeah, what uh, if the this, Brits come in? What if the Brits right. had come in? Yeah. Uh, what if Bobby Kennedy had lived? Right. Uh, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, and, you know, that what if it makes it... Pre- well, we did an entire uh, Gettysburg episode. Sure. What if Stonewall Jackson, Jackson had been alive? Still been alive. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. you know, the fascination is there for us. And I think part of it is... Because I was thinking about this today and I, in my own preparation. You know, why is it so fascinating? What's the draw for us? Because... I'm the heaviest reader of it, but we all participate in this stuff. Robert yeah. prepared for an episode. Oh yeah, he yeah, didn't I did. wing it this time. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't totally wing it this time. <laughs> I, I dare say, if I had false teeth, I'd spit them out, sir. Now, to be fair, it's mostly the code of honor that I totally wing. That's this is true. true. This mm. is true. Uh, I know that you usually. Yes, I, I, I don't mean to say that Robert has a cavalier attitude to our activities. Not here. at all. Not at all. And, but he doesn't mean you, to not say that either. <laughs> if you listen, you certainly uh, know Robert is an erudite uh, individual that can handle any subject. He's yeah, thank you, go. sir. Uh, thank you, Sean. I appreciate that. <clears throat> uh, so, uh, time travel, uh, the the butterfly. Uh, there's cross time stories, uh, so uh, which is a little bit harder to, depending on how you look at it. It's where the alternative history takes place in multiple time periods across worlds. Oh, well, uh, yeah, that, that's that's a little challenging. Uh, it, yes, uh, Turtle Dove does it though. Of oh course. yeah, well, if anybody can do it, he could. Yes. Uh, uh, you know, then there's the closely related that is the quantum theory of multiple worlds, which is the I always go back to the Fantastic Four. Because mm-hmm. Reed Richards is always talking about, you know, we every time you travel in time, you create a new world. It's like, well, you know, technically, I don't know that you can actually create one. Maybe, you know, the infinite universes differentiate at that point, but I don't think you can actually create a universe by a decision. 
But that's an that's an entirely separate well, thing. DC's yeah. made a you know has right. made a history of it. The multiverse it was a thing for them. Yeah. Well, yeah. Elseworlds, uh, uh, imaginary stories. Even before there were multiple Earths, Earth one, right. two, three, X, you know, and all of that. Right. Uh, so yeah, you know, DC has has a, a rich history in the comics. Right, and, and some of them were, and it was all just to be able to get the Justice League and the Justice Society on the same page to each other. Yeah, it's for Earth One and Earth Two. Yeah, that's yeah, where it started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, well, it started with the Flash. Well, that's true. That's yeah. correct. It was, but that was Flash of Two Worlds. Yeah, yes. and it was, uh, and you know, you're talking you know, late fifties. Yes, you're talking the late fifties. Yeah, yeah when, when all that idea came up, and it was Julie Schwartz and all the rest of them. And every year they would have a let's team up these two worlds together, which Ultimately, they weren't that different. They were the base, essentially the same thing. It's just the heroes were different. However, as they kept going on and on, they came up with new ideas and said, wait a minute, what if they're all bad? So hence you get Earth 3 and uh, the Crime Syndicate, which are doppelgangers of mm-hmm. that. And then you decide, well, we're going to make, well, they were going to be Earth Swastika, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Julie Schwartz says, I ain't, I ain't going to name an Earth after the damn swastika because I fought them in World War II. So it became Earth X. Yes. And that's where the Freedom Fighters were. And it was one of my favorite storylines. Yes, that was the one where what if, uh, yeah, what if the World Axis War... powers had won World War II. Absolutely. And it was um, it, it was damn good. It was just two issues in the early Justice, Justice League 104 and 5, I think. I might be wrong on that. Yeah, that's another. That. Uh, yeah, and that, I guess, brings up a really good uh, uh, point, too. For us as modern readers, which you know, really this genre really didn't take off as a massive phenomenon until the latter half of the 20th century. There was some of it, but it really starts to explode because science fiction starts to become mm-hmm. a major thing. Well, it's and all, it's always interesting. That's, I think. That's, well, when it's done well, it when is. It's done yeah. well, yeah. And of course, I, as we have talked about before, I like to point out that, in my point of view, all fiction. Is alternative history in oh, yeah. one way or another? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh-huh. I, I like to look at it that or way. It's grounded in actual events or, or otherwise. Right. The question is, where is your divergence? Is your divergence so far in the past that you totally cannot recognize the world you're, you're reading about, or so is it so close? Where does uh, Star Trek and Mirror Mirror come in? Are they taking that from these comic examples in the fifties, or? Oh. Are the writers of those episodes, where are they getting that inspiration? Well, well that was really pretty unique. It was also very different from the original script. If you look yeah. back and research that a little bit, but even there, in other science was, fiction it shows, was not, it was not, they were not evil there. It was, yeah. uh, in, the, in the original thing, it was just a slightly different universe where phasers hadn't been invented. Or something like that. If I remember, uh, I remember the details on that. Yeah. And they realized no, there's just not enough conflict here. It just needs to be tighter than that. And that's where the whole doppelganger business, where the evil, you know, the the goatee wearing Spock comes from. And that's that's a thing now. It's it's a it's a meme. It's a it's a trope. But it yes. started there. And it was just and it was kind of goes back to you know uh, uh, the idea of well, what if we take these good guys and make them evil? It's a lot of it is on television. They'd already done that once in the first season with the evil Kirk. You know, the split, the mm-hmm. Kirk, good and evil. Mm-hmm. It lets these actors play a slightly different version of themselves. And that's always attractive for the actors. And it's yeah. also attractive for the audience to see them just slightly different. In this case, yeah. considerably different. Yeah. Now, you know, as far as where that comes from, for at least for the Trek... There may have been some comic influence. I don't know that a lot of writers back then would have been as influenced by the comics as they are today. 
comics in the 60s were still seen as a kid thing. Yeah. Well, this is the time of Batman, the TV series, High Camp. Right. So they're probably not pulling anything from right. that. But that there changed. had been stories like this that appeared in science fiction magazines and okay. in books. So the... Like I said, the genre had started the, expanding. The and magazines, the short story pulp magazines. The there's probably some of that because there. there's yeah because there's some crossover in the writers of things Absolutely like that. There are well because yeah, right? you're also talking. I think I think if you want to look at the origins of this, you can look to the paperback genre mm-hmm. of the '50s, '60s, and '70s. Uh, so well, you can go back to the '30s with Robert E. Howard and uh, and all those other folks that were writing for these pulp magazines. They're they're way out there stuff. Some oh, yeah. seriously way out there stuff. That's, I think, is because that was the model to get it to people because it was cheap and you could get it out there. And and Howard's Conan is kind of an alternate past. Well, it is. It's right. <laughs> set 10,000 years BC. And yeah, it's, what, uh, uh, what it's if, a different world. Yeah. Uh, in fact, when he created the whole Hyborian Age, he deliberately met, uh, kind of morphed the map of Europe to where it's slightly recognizable. Without being recognizable, mm-hmm. it's its own world, but yet you can see some similarities on that. That was his intention uh, when he had created Cull, his earlier uh, creation. Before that, it was very different. It, Atlantis and Lemuria it had bore no real resemblance to the mm-hmm. world we knew, and that's one of the reasons he changed it. He says he wants to kind of give people that tweak of this is kind of us. This is almost us. Yeah. And a lot it, of that speculative gets... fiction starts there. And then you have the huge paperback explosion of the 50s because it's cheap, cheap, cheap stuff. You can get writers for hire, hacks that go out and do this stuff. And all sorts of genres come out. Uh, they're doing, of course, it starts with the hardball detectives and the mysteries. Mm-hmm. Then you have men's adventure coming later. Science fiction is huge, mostly in the 60s. See, I, I, I think you, well, it, I would say that the, and the fantasy the, the paperback yeah. thing that goes way before that I mean you know you, it is, you, you but, go back to uh, even to the the 1700s and you've got penny dreadfuls mm-hmm. and you've got uh, penny novels still sure. you know, detective magazines were, were, were all the thing and you back then that goes all the way on up because you know there there's a lot of fiction being written uh, you know from the from the point the printing press takes off uh, to the modern day right uh, until you know now everything's electronic but uh, you know, it, there's still a ton of stuff being written. Uh, I think what causes that explosion in the 50s is partially television. And it is, it's yeah. also partially Sputnik. And, uh-huh. you know, there's just a... Plus you have these guys that have come back from World War II. Uh, and then the guys are coming back from, from Korea. And, you know, that's the kind of stuff they would have to entertain themselves. You know, they, mm-hmm. they, they would have had those kind of novels. That's right. Over there, uh, that's why comics were actually really big in World War II because they were sent overseas. You know, they were literally printing millions of copies of uh, each issue, and a good chunk of those were going going overseas going and just dropping them off. So like, that's, right. that's one of the reasons those, those books are so rare is because most of those were just destroyed. Right, you know, there very few of them stuck around. You know. They were they were intended. I mean, they're they're essentially newsprint. Right, know? it's like it, they were throwaways. Right, that's what the intention which was. is just. Because it just hurts my heart to even think. Well, you know, uh, but um, the, those those early ones, yeah, they're they're worth some jack now. Talk to Nicholas Cage; he's got quite the yes. collection. So, uh, so we've got this this whole idea though that the creative mind likes to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys know I, I love Stephen King. I love his thought process. I love how Absolutely. he approaches yes. things. He's, he's one of the best. One of the things that I remember in his book on writing, almost everything he writes 
starts out with a question. What if X? Uh -huh. What would happen if Y? Or something like that. And it's not, you know, what would happen if, you know, there was a cowboy that uh, was in this alternative future, you know, being the gunslinger. Right. Uh, or it's it's usually a lot more, uh, 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 it's a lot less concrete. It's a lot more well, of a philosophical. Basic, yeah, philosophical what if a monster uh, lived in sewers? Yeah. It, yeah you know, that's, that's exactly. Those, 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 those uh, type of things. Like know, or why are clowns so scary? Yeah, exactly. well, I'll show you why clowns are scary. See, that's right. Yeah, know? exactly. Because it, uh, it may be multiple things that he's bringing together to come up right. with these type of things. So, like you know, mm -hmm. the writing that, that I've done, has a pro I've ended up approaching in a similar way. You know, what if this? And I think that the what if uh, is just a natural... You know, when we talk about history, that's just a natural extension. Because everybody who writes alternative history is almost always a history buff themselves. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, it, it, it just becomes something that you, you get to play in two, two areas that you love. Mm -hmm. Writing and history. Yeah. You know, it doesn't get much better than that. Uh, well, there are a lot of things that do, but you know, yeah, when it comes to you know, things we can talk about on the podcast. That's right. Um, well, I think it's fascinating. The best, the best you can do all sorts of alternatives, histories, and what ifs. I think some of the best ones are the ones that pe we keep coming back to over and over again. Have a pinch point of some of mm -hmm. some thing that they're going to. Stephen King's a great example. His eleven twenty two sixty three. Yep. Uh, which 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 actually a very good miniseries. Uh, I've not seen that yet. It's on it's, my list yeah, to watch. You should. It's very very good. It's of course it's Stephen King. It's very dark. It's not just and because he he's kind of it's about a lot of you know it's time travel, but it's kind of almost fantasy in many respects. He he it, it, he doesn't waste a lot of time with the how. Right, it just kind of happens. Almost never does. Yeah. yeah, and it's just here's what happens when we do that, and, he, and you send uh, James Franco, who was in it. Who, um, yeah, um, he's okay. He's he's, he's mm -hmm. he does a fine job with it. He usually does, uh, and it's a very fascinating fascinating story about changing the past. Mm -hmm. But of course, it's tied around the pinch point of John F. Kennedy, his assassination. Right, and the the time travel goes back to like in 1960. Or sixteen. Well, I forget exactly when it is, but it, it's a discrete. It's several point. years before yeah, the actual. Several years before that, and basically you go into what he calls the rabbit hole in this uh, diner, and it takes you to this exact same point in the exact same time. No, it, not time. Uh, it, it, it's, it, it's exactly the same point in time. Oh every yes, time. yes, yes. That's what I mean. Yes, yeah. You go back in time to this very place, this very time, every single time. Yes. And when you come forward, you may have aged. But you go back to like two minutes after you left. Exactly. So it's really it's kind of a fun way because you, if you do, and if you figure out a way, all you have to do is go walk to the same spot that you entered on, and you go back. Right. Only you can do. And that every time now. you go back, it resets. So if you go back and change something, yeah. Next time you go back, it goes back to what it was originally. Right. So you're not even going back to the same changed reality. So you get multiple attempts. And I, I love how how the guy. I love how James Franco's. Franco's character gets control of it. He's left this diner by the guy who owns it, and nobody understood how he could charge so little for the burgers and everything else. Because he go back forty or fifty years and buy stuff at this little corner market, and basically buying the same pound of hamburger and the same bag of potatoes and making them into <laughs> burgers and fries for years Sorry, for for pennies for pennies. Yeah, yeah, because it was you know it was so much cheaper then. You know, yeah, which uh, you know was a, was an interesting hook. Uh, yeah. mm -hmm. and, and of course, he takes that and, and, and does the the whole 
you know, how can I change? Not so much how, you know, this is what's changed, but how it can I change it? And, and he goes back several times, takes notes. He leaves that uh, leaves the notes so that way he knows who wins what, when, whatever, so you can generate money when you're back there. Uh, and the whole point of it is, as he explains it in that first episode, is, you know, John F. Kennedy must not die. Then Robert Kennedy doesn't die. We save the world and everything's going to be better. Which, of course, there's the conceit. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it's not better. Because once you leave... It all resets. No, no, no. Once you go back, well, it you, all resets. Wait, 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 leave, yeah. the, leave the altered time. That's what I meant. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, yeah, when you go back. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, in order for this to work, you have to stay there forever. No, well, no, 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 no. That's not it. Unless the, unless the TV series dealt with it differently than the book. Right. Because in the, in the book, when you, go, when you come forward, yeah. whatever you changed in the past is still the real history. But the moment you go back to that same point in time, it is reset to what it was the day you went back. So right. your change yeah, that's, that's, that's right. that's is right. only the changes are only if alive you ne- if you never if you never, go, if you never go back again. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. Yes. That's right. That's right. Otherwise, you have to keep doing exactly the same thing over and over. And, and in the book, he does this. I don't know how much they do it in the, in the miniseries. Yeah. Because, like I said, I haven't read that. Well, because, and, and what's weird about it is because time is almost this living thing that's fighting him. To keep it from changing. Uh, in other words, coincidences happen and things happen here and there, and you have to watch out because uh, if you, if you go in this certain thing to try to listen to this information about the assassination before it happens, uh, a, a fire starts, and, and you and you're, and you, go, you the, where you're living, there's a fire thing that happens. It's it's, yeah. it's also a weird time pushes back, which is a fascinating form of conflict that King creates in that. It's yeah. just. So fascinating show. Yeah, you know, he's normally a horror writer, but yeah. you know that he he's doing that. Wait, he's uh, Stephen King. He, he can do whatever he wants. Whatever he wants. Uh, yeah, you know, there's also uh, TV series Timeless was was a great TV series. I wish it had gone on because it was so good. Uh, that's where there was a, a evil uh, the Rittenhouse group, which is basically like the uh, uh, oh, what's the. Not the the what's the group that's supposedly behind the the New World Order? Uh, the Bilderbergs. The Bilderbergs. Yes, it's like the Bilderbergs. The Council uh, on Foreign Relations. And yes. The Illuminati. The Illuminati. Yes, the it's Illuminati. very much like that. Yeah. Well, and, not the real Illuminati because we all know that's Reed Richards, Doctor Strange, and yes, Namor, and Tony Stark, and Tony Stark, and all the rest. Namor of and, and T'Challa. Yes. Uh, so, the story, that one is very cool because they've somebody has developed a time machine. The Rittenhouse group steals it to go back and try and change history so that their preferred version of how things should be happens mm-hmm. and that's just a great two it's only two seasons but it's a great two seasons loved it it was really good they go back and they do a lot of the same kind of uh, time period what ifs yeah. trying to keep things corrected sometimes the correct history is not the history we know or sometimes things change and they have to deal with that and so it's it's really to me that's just some fascinating stuff there. Well, What's the other uh, DC one that's like that? Uh, Legends of Legend of Tomorrow. Yes, yes Legends of Tomorrow. Yes. That, yeah, which is far lighter and and a very and kind of fun the way they work with that. Yeah, it's know. kind of jumped the shark this last season or two, but it's well, still it's, fun. It's got John Constantine. Though. I know that's some good stuff. That's some good yeah. stuff. I mean, Matt Ryan, my gosh, you know uh, that that he is John Constantine. He is fantastic. Yeah. That was a shame that his show only got one season. Uh-huh. Uh, of course, he's he's played the character in in Legends of Tomorrow, and he's voiced all the animated iterations of him as well. Yeah, I mean, he he's a great actor, very much so. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, to the future. So yes, 
Back to the Future. So that's the where I was going to go with some of this next. That's a great yeah. segue. Is that you know we've been talking about changing the past. Uh, you know, Turtle. That's where Turtle Dove spends most of his time. Uh, Eric Flint with his 1632 series. I I think I've probably mentioned it on the show before, uh, but I highly recommend I you read those. It, yeah. Those are phenomenal. That's the one that goes back, takes a little piece of West Virginia, transplants it into uh, the the middle of the Thirty Years' War, and what that does is it transplants that little piece of Germany in the Thirty Years' War. They swap, so that little bit of Germany ends up in West uh, West Virginia. Now the piece of land it wasn't that big but it, it was basically nobody was on it so it was not a, an effect much as in our time but that was kind of a, a segue into the whole thing you know kind of a forward kind of a thing right so you don't really care about that uh and you know then you see going forward what happens if you transplant this technology and mm-hmm. knowledge of future events into 400 years ago and then you have the what happens if you know we we take something now and it changes going forward. And we see that into the far future. We see that, in some ways, you get that sort of thing, it goes back and forth, like Star Trek. With Mirror Mirror, yeah. that is taking the science fiction setting and then going back 100 years and changing it. Right. And they've milked that trope oh, every huge. single series. Absolutely. Except Voyager. I don't think Voyager did a Mirror Mirror episode. Uh, you, I think you are correct. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Now, they did their own kind of alternate version of things where... They did the Year of Hell. The Year of Hell, which was a reset back, which one of the very best Voyager it was. episodes, really. That, it's two-parter. Two-parter, yes. yeah. Fantastic. That was fantastic. It was really, really It had real good. consequences, but yet they still reset it at the end of the Well, I mean, the, hey, the hey, timey-wimey, it's just what we do. That's I right. Time travel here. Uh, yes. Which is one of most of these alternative stuff we're talking about works under the premise of that. Uh, in science fiction, it tends to, but... Yeah, but um, doesn't have to. I mean, there's know, a, the, the Turtle Dove stuff almost never uses... No, it's... Although, it just, that's not entirely true. The first one he did... Uh, uh, outside of Guns of the South yeah. was the uh, and this is the late 80s Island in the Sea of Time and it's a trilogy that. I don't know that one it's the island of Nantucket uh, there's some event yeah. and it is transported 3,000 years into the past uh, Bas- a little more than 3,000 years but it's basically around the time Moses is, is getting kicked out of uh, Egypt by the pharaoh and he goes off and then comes back. You know, it's around that same time frame. Because right. they actually make a comment about that. Uh, that oh my God, Moses is right there in Egypt right now. Um, <laughs> you know, which is, you know, speeding that exact year down is actually a little more difficult than that. But so that's one going back and doing some time travel moving forward. Right. Uh, so it, there's just so much. There, it, there's an endless uh, amount of possibilities. And I guess that's one of the things that I like about it, because you can tweak it so much. Turtle Dove has done three, maybe four different series-slash-individual books, all in World War II. I was glad you mentioned that, because one of those is totally different. It has, it's really not a, it's a, it's an alternate history, but not as a time travel revision. It's basically aliens come to Earth. Yes. And that, during World War II, or right before World War II, and... You know, Stalin and Hitler and us and Britain and all of, we all band together to, to, fight the to fight the aliens. Talk about turning things on its head. <laughs> yep. Because all these familiar people that you know, all of a sudden, are doing things differently, working together. Even. Yep. Wow. This is this that was a really good series too. I, I think it's a it was one books. of the latter ones I'd done. I didn't think I was going to like it, but I really did. Uh, but he, you know, he did one where um, uh, this general who is. 
in in Spain, and I forget which one it is, his plane is shot down in the real world. And so he doesn't make it out of Spain. But the turning point there is that his plane doesn't get shot down. Or maybe it's the other way around. I forget which now, because I haven't read... I think I read that book only once. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it goes from there. Then there's the war that came early, where in 1938, uh, the Brits get a backbone before uh, uh, Churchill and basically says, no, no, you, you can't have the Sudetenland. We're going to fight you over this. And so it's a year earlier than, than Hitler wanted to go. I mean, because he wasn't planning. He didn't, he didn't think they were going to fight him then. Right. And yet they did. So that takes the war off in an entirely different direction. Different direction, yeah. And then there's one, uh, The Man in the Iron Man, or not Man, uh, Man of the Iron Heart or something like that. Uh, and that's about Heydrich. And uh, I think it's him living past the point where he is, is he dies in the, in the in the real world yeah. again that's one I've also only read once a lot of these I like to read multiple times because there's so much stuff to mine there oh, yeah, but The War That Came Early that's a six book series and that's really good highly recommend that see that way you can reread World War Two with everything different and yet multiple enough times. of it's the same yeah yeah and, and that's the fascination is, and it, it just goes mm-hmm. to show you that especially in war there are so many turning points that you could choose to change history yeah. Uh, you know, Newt Gingrich and uh, William Forston, uh, they had done one, you know, they're uh, 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 Gettysburg and uh, Grant Comes East. You know, those are uh, alternative history. They're not like the Shara books, which are uh, yeah, fictional right. history, yeah, really, uh, yeah, historical fiction. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're actual alternative history. Uh, and then there's, uh, oh, and then uh, Forston did his own where a uh, modern battle group from the 2030s, something like that is thrown back in time into the middle of the preparations for the Battle of Midway. Interesting you say that. There's also the movie The Final Countdown. Yes. Which is similar to that. Similar, yes. Sends back the the USS Nimitz right before Pearl Harbor. Well, Uh, this is an entire multinational uh, task force. They just turned uh, the volume way up on that one. They did. Yes, he did. Uh, It's a a nuclear aircraft carrier named after uh, President Clinton. President Hillary Clinton. <clears throat> yeah, talk about your uh, what ifs. Yeah, talk your about your alter- what ifs and your alternate histories. Exactly, uh, and you know, since it's multinational, you've got Japanese forces, German forces, you've got uh, British forces, and it's literally they appear in the middle of the the contemporary yeah. uh, battle group, and so you have ships that are intersected and they're fused because they literally uh, appear inside of each other. And so oh. each side loses ships and, and men. And, you know, they think it's an attack and nobody knows what's going on. It, it's fascinating ah. to see the effect that they have on the timeline. Almost like the squid from Watchmen. Yes. Blown right into the middle of things. And all of a sudden everything goes on. Sorry. Yeah. So, well, I, I, Watchmen itself is alternate history. What is? Oh, Watchmen. Watchmen. Yes, 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 absolutely. It's, yes. it's very much if, if, if something happened back in the 40s and superheroes became real... Especially with Doctor Manhattan, the power that he has literally changes the world. Right now, Martin, you had started. I don't know if I covered the the, the future uh, aspect of it that you wanted to because we yeah. kind of tangent oh, it all rabbit hole again. Yeah, because I'm still trying to work through. You've done a lot of examples with the time travel. I was trying to figure out again more of those examples where it's that want of a nail thing. Mm-hmm. 
where where the history has changed by just one. Well, the turtle dove books are almost always that. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's the power of to to quote from Babylon Five. It's the power of one mind to change the universe. Yeah, yeah. That's well, kind, I mean, that's but you're talking about a couple that included, you know, weapons from the future and that's stuff just, like that. Well, that one is that's a one-off, and then the alien one. That's a even though it's a, uh, I think it's, it's four books. I think. Pardon? Uh, the the aliens with. Um, it's multiple books, but it's it's I think it's two trilogies. It's uh, trilogies in um, the middle of the war, and then another trilogy set like twenty years later. Uh, yeah, after the aliens the have, they've kind of we've kind of settled into a peace, and we're kind of sharing the yeah. world. Uh, and but all the rest of them, you know, all the World War Two uh, books especially, are all what if this one event changed? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the ones that I'm finding fascinating because it's. There's the possibilities there, right? That yeah. are more than again the, you know, well, and, and interesting. the scientists stealing plutonium and going back to 1955 in, right. a, in a DeLorean. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the more believable <laughs> premise, basically. Yeah. Because yeah. that's the point about I think mean, what makes believable. all this so much uh, so fascinating is that it really could have happened. Yeah, because there has to be a familiarity to hook you in. Well, you know, right. Fringe was good at that, uh, although a better one is Counterpart um, with, uh, oh my gosh, I cannot remember the actor's name who played J. Jonah Jameson in the J.K. Simmons? J.K. Simmons, thank you very much. I don't know why. Fantastic actor, by the way. He is, yeah. he, is very, he played both versions of himself from a diverged timeline. Yes, yes. Very, very good because you can see he he's, you know, he's himself in both cases, but the world changed right around 10, 15 years ago on this alternate universe and they and they and they collaborate with each other. They still don't know what happened. Uh, and things are bad over there and not so bad over here and there's this connection and you get that mirror mirror version where they look the same. But one's not very good, and one is good, and yet it's the same person with the right. same background, mostly. But just the last ten years, the further you go away from the divergence point, that's where the world changes, and that's what you're kind of talking about mm-hmm. here. Is you want it close to from a from a story point, you want it close enough to the divergence point to be recognizable and yet different, right? Because if you go far too far, it's going to be so different. What's the point? There's no point in it being a what if. Precisely. Yeah, right. yeah, that's right. right. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's so very different. Things like um, I don't know you guys may remember the uh, uh, it's either I think it was a mini series uh, on cable. Uh, it might have been made for cable movie. I don't remember. It's called Fatherland. It was a uh, HBO is a made for cable movie. Yeah. Rudger Hauer was in it. I think. Yeah, yeah. And uh, several others. Yeah. So it's basically where the D-Day invasion fails mm-hmm. and. The uh, Allies basically end up negotiating a peace with Germany, and Germany maintains control over uh, Europe as uh, Greater Germania. Germania, yes, what they call it. And you know, it's interesting because they it picks up with Joe Kennedy as president going to basically end the Cold War, so to speak, with Hitler, who is obviously still alive, right? uh, And the 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 uh, journalist, I think she was, that is there covering it, you know, and meeting up with people in Germany. And, you know, this one woman in, in Germany lets slip, you know, so I, I understand you still have them in, in America. Have what? Jews. Jews. Yeah. It's like, you know, we, we, we of course, don't have, it, have them anymore. We, you know, we ended up gassing them because we needed to save those six million bullets for the, for the uh, Eastern Front or some 
some line like that. Right. And that's when she realizes, oh my God, these people are monsters. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, ends up with uh, Hitler standing at steps watching Joe Kennedy's limo uh, drive off because he gets the, the word, because the they text. get some packet of information to him. It's like, he's like, reading it. It's like, holy shit, let's get out of here. And Hitler's like, what the hell? You know, because yeah. yeah, he, I thought we were talking. Yeah, yeah, I thought we were buds. Now the the, the, know? the better version of that, though, that actually had some time to work for it until the last season, the Man in the High Castle. Yes, that was where I was going to go next. Man in the High Castle is a fantastic uh, yeah, series. If you really want alternative, you really need to spend some time with this. Uh, the it ended. Actually, I thought it was great. I, thought, I, I, I think this you last didn't, scale. you didn't like the ending. No, I, I thought it was fine. Oh, really? I mean, yeah. just it just wrapped everything up so fast. It's just like okay, now everything's good. Uh, I don't know about that. Well, but but, uh, it's a great concept, though, played out really well. Right. And it what didn't that really point? get the science fiction aspect of it into it until later. That's correct. And which it, is really good. Because it you, lays out, it's still an alternative history, but then it has a twist inside the alternative history. Right, and it's and it's basically the stories of, you know, what if Hitler had, uh, had conquered the world, essentially, and the Japanese, and what would America be like as a conquered people? And the story... Uh, uh, I mean, there are many, many characters. Rufus Sewell probably plays the most important one, I think, who basically is an American who becomes leader of the Reich over here. You know, there's a split. There's things that happen and stuff like that. And it's it's fascinating. Each season is a discrete story with the same characters, but ultimately it's his arc that goes through that. And it's like, can an American be turned into this fascist monster? So, for lack of a, for because of power, that's one of the things that talks well, about. It's it. not just power; it's 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 a, it's adjusting to his, to the new reality. Yeah, he's the you ultimate know? collaborator who rises to you know master of the world in many respects, his own world, of course. Yeah, it's it, it, it's one of those things where is he really a collaborator only because there is no real resistance? Yeah. There's you know it, we're a conquered nation and. You know, life goes on eventually. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just fascinating. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the really good yeah. ones. It's so fantastic. Yes. Before we uh, go much farther, let's have our bourbon break. Bourbon break. Indeed. That's right. We so, yes, go. because uh, it is evening, we are actually able to drink our bourbon because uh, it is we're after not, work. We're not having breakfast. We're not having breakfast. No, no, no. We're, Which uh, is very sad because breakfast is always good. This is true, but you know, hey, uh, bourbon's nice too. So yes, bourbon is very nice. Uh, and you and I are having the same thing, am I right? Uh, I'm having the double oak. That's what I'm having. Yes, too. haven't had a double oaked in a while. Well, that's right. You, you cracked the new bottle. Uh, yes, just before Woodford we begin Reserve here. double oaked. That's right. Yes, it is my number one. one batch two. Oh yes, very good stuff. It's very great. smooth, great color, great texture. Yes, there's, it there's, is there's a just power to it. Yes, that's that's just. But it is. So, it is just one of the most refined bourbons that you can drink. It really is. Yeah, it's got a bit more of a bite than the regular Woodford, I think. Yes, but, but not, it's not, not a harsh way. bite. Not a harsh no. bite, that's right. It, it's, yeah, yeah. A fullness. Fullness, yeah, I, I, however you want to put it. And so, Martin, what are you drinking there? So, uh, here at Studio F. Yes, we are in Studio F in the Baxter Building. In the Baxter right. Building. Right, yeah. um, Francis has a bottle of, of good old Maker's Mark here, but it's a special bottle. It is, that's right. It's a bottle for Barrels for a Cause from the Blackout Group. Uh-huh. Uh, and this particular bottle benefits the Lee Initiative for uh, restaurant workers. And uh, you know, Blackout Group has contributed over $500,000 to Kentucky Charities. Yes, they have. Through these bottles. 
Yes. And <laughs> I am afraid Odessa has made her appearance. I'll have to silence her. That's my uh, Amazon Echo Dot and my daughter slipping herself through, trying to talk to her sister without having to get up from her couch, I'm sure. Yeah. In a whole different abode. Yes, in a whole different abode across town. That's right. So, Gotta uh, love it. Yeah, that's right. So Technology. Exactly. But uh, you're right. Yeah, the Black Eye folks were very, very great. That was a gift uh, from them to us. Uh, they do a lot of work. They Basically, what a, what, a bar, what a bourbon group is, is they go, they're a group of investors, they go and buy a barrel themselves, and they bottle it themselves. They get the bottles from the whoever it has, and they put their own labels on it. And they'll sell it, uh, or, or, or give it away, or raffle it off, or whatever. I'm not, I'm not sure all the details of how that goes. Uh, usually for charity. Yes. Uh, as, as you see here. Yeah. So, uh, Barrels for a cause. Yeah, and it was, uh, I'm, I'm delighted. I love, the, the folks that run the Blackout Group are, are good friends of mine, so I'm uh, delighted to be able to uh, spread the gospel of their, of their yes. good work. Yes. Bottle 27 of 500. So yeah, that's right. It's, it's oh, the, wow, that is a low number. Absolutely. Low see, they're just getting one or two barrels, and they're bottling it from there. No, I meant the 27 is a low number. Well, yeah, well, it's because, you know, I got connections, you know? He knows a guy. I know a guy. I know that's a guy right. that know. knows a guy. I know, I know some guys. Guy. That's yeah. right. That's right. So, so it's, yes, it's, it's, I've got you to, are getting the good stuff. Got sir. a nice glass of makers uh, that contributes to charity. Gotta love that. Can't get any better than that, boys. So one of the one of the other authors I want to give a little bit of a shout out to because you know I talked about so Turtle Dove obviously he's the acknowledged king. Yeah. Uh, I think Eric Flint does not get enough credit uh, for a sixteen thirty two series. Yeah. Uh, because it's not a, it's not entirely a traditional alternative history because it does, it's got a little bit of that time travel, but that's okay. I still love it. One of the others I'm really, really liking is one of those uh, cross time slash rival parallel world sorts of things. Yeah. And that is uh, the Destroyer Men by Taylor Anderson. And in that, you've got, uh, it's at the beginning of World War II. It's got. Uh, the story is about uh, two destroyers, the uh, Mayhan and the Walker. And these are actual four-stacker uh, destroyers from from between the two world wars. So mm-hmm. they're hopelessly outclassed by the Japanese Navy at the beginning of the war. Mm-hmm. And they're fleeing the Philippines. Mm-hmm. They're being chased down. And they encounter this huge green storm that transports them to another world. It transports them to a parallel earth ah. and in that parallel earth the difference has nothing to do with modern times the difference is that the asteroid that hit 65 million years ago and destroyed the dinosaurs missed ah okay there's a good there's a good so there are you. no humans there are the the grick which are semi-intelligent uh, uh lizard warriors gosh okay. uh, i don't think they're quite uh uh, velociraptors, but because he doesn't really give a good enough description of them, really for me to be able to nail down which species they are. But that's okay; that part doesn't matter. But they're uh, they are ruled by a queen, uh, and they are there's a ruling class that you know the the cleric class, for back lack of a better term, when you get medieval terminology with it, yeah. that are smart enough to be able to be sentient. The warriors are not; they're basically bloodthirsty. They're not basically. They're either eaten or killed before they can mature enough to have any sentience. And uh-huh. the good guys are a bunch of advanced, evolved lemurs, basically, that were driven from their ancestral home on Madagascar. 
Is, you know, you figure this out throughout through the course of several books. But right. There's been like 13 or 14 of them now, I think. I think he just finished up with like 14th or 15th book. And so you see then the parallels of this different World War II Right. And other groups that have come across from other parallel world, worlds at different times oh, okay. in history. Yeah. So you have this weird, um, evil version of the Catholic Church in Mexico. And yeah. you have... Uh, oh, yeah. And then you have uh, this uh, in Hawaii, uh, mid-1800s era technology, uh, a group that was brought over in the same fashion. They're all brought over basically the same way. Uh, then you have a group that is in uh, North Africa, Tripoli area in yeah. the Mediterranean, that is a fascist powers, fascist powers kind of group, but not what we would know, because right. you know again, slightly, each one of them has their own alternative history, and it's a it's a mashup, and it's just really well done. It's kind of like Battle World, uh, kind of yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, from, yeah, yeah, from, from Secret, Secret Wars, Wars too, yeah. yeah, that's right, and it's just that's good because I wasn't talking to you. Uh, my Siri and my watch just said, "Hey, I'm having trouble hearing." We're right. having some technology issues. We with are. This. So we we need a we need to I don't know soundproof the studio or something. Something. Don't we? Uh, never uh, thought so, that. So, you know, this is an, a lot of these revolve around war because yeah. obviously I think war gives you the the best. Uh, it's a number of it's a dramatic place to, to dramatic. That's right. To make yeah. a change. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's kind of a well established. Uh, again, the idea of for the one of the nail the. The horse was lost, and the battle was lost, and all that. So exactly, it's, it's, yeah, exactly. it's clearly the place to pick up with something like that. Yeah, and you know, so if so, I know, Martin, you, you've not read near read these nearly as much as we have, but uh, is there a particular what if that you've either read or heard us talk about that you've got a particular fondness for, fascination with, perhaps? Yeah. So, like, if you were to read the ultimate what if, maybe. Well, no, I, as a, I tried to sneak in there, we, we changed the subject, but... Uh, Didn't mean to, because, no, you know, we but, rabbit hole. Yeah, we rabbit hole, but this is this whole episode's a rabbit hole. I mean, that's kind it of really the idea is. of it. Uh, um, what Stephen King called it. <laughs> but uh, when, you, when you think of uh, Back to the Future, just it, it, even just the first one, not even thinking about the sequels and all, but it's like, this is a very imaginative thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... I always liked in that film you really had to pay attention to all the subtle stuff yes oh, yeah. you know Twin Pines Mall becomes Lone Pine Lone Pine because Marty ran over one of the pine trees and killed it exactly uh, so I always liked that part of it where there was all these very small subtle bits and the little jokes like the uh, politician yes the mayor this over the loudspeaker in nineteen fifty five. Yeah. Yeah, the nineteen fifty five and the nineteen eighty five the yes. progress platform. That's right. They were saying the same things thirty years apart. Yep. So Or the uh, when he shows up in the diner and it's like, Why are you wearing the, the uh, life preserver? The life vest. What's yeah. the life vest kid? Yeah. Right. He's just got a you know Puffy down jacket, uh, vest, yeah, <laughs> right, down yeah. vest. Yeah, I want a Pepsi free. You can't get a Pepsi free here. What are you talking about? You got to pay for it. How about a yeah. tab? No, I can't get a pa- tab. You pay for something. Come on. Yeah. Which themselves are now anachronisms. They to are, us, yes. You know, because yeah. because tab's gone. Yeah, the long, long Soft gone. drink. Yeah. yeah. So you know that's a really good point. You know, the, uh, a lot of the times, some of the fun of this is the subtle difference. The, that, yeah, the creativity that, uh, of the paying attention to the small details right. really makes for uh, 
a really fulfilling world and, and uh, as you guys always talk about the craft yes, yes. You know, that's right it's, it's, a, it's a great thing about the craft when you can pay attention to the details and make a small thing out well, of it well you know it, it reminds me a lot of that uh Year of Hell that you talked about mm-hmm. uh, from from Voyager, and you know I'm not sure if you remember the two episodes for that, but it was based on removing pieces, t- time revisions. What's what was being done by this this alien, the Kremen, and uh, they're trying to restore the glory tra- of the Kremen. Yeah, exactly, they're, and they're going through with their time ship and basically removing pieces, you know, making uh, uh, moving in, removing entire worlds or species to try and restore back. Uh, this glorious time, but the leader Anorax, who was played uh, marvelously by the ever wonderful Kurtwood Smith, keeps going because he's trying to restore his wife. Yeah, that's the real goal. There's the real Even goal. Even when he gets a ninety-eight percent restoration, he's still not. Yeah. It's not enough. That's right. Because his wife is not part of that two percent. That's that history pushing back. Yeah. That's right. It, uh, it won't let him about. have what he's looking for, and that's what made it a great story because it was a human story. But the thing is, when at the end, which is the great part, yeah. Is that when they basically the the have a rebellion on a ship because they're tired of it? Yeah, and they basically blow themselves up. They get the one hundred percent restoration. Everything because all the all the stuff they've done is undone. Which is kind of a little bit of conceit, but it makes some sense when you're talking yeah. timey wimey stuff. And he he ends up back where he was, and you show the very last scene is he says, "Maybe I won't do this. Maybe I'll do it differently." So right. you don't know if he knows. Right. Instead of keeping he working, he goes and spends time with his wife. Right. And, it's kind of like you know what where so that's where uh, that's where uh, the vampire movie got it the vampire movie yeah what's the um, Twilight oh it's like the only part of Twilight I've watched is one of the late movies oh Oh, where they do the the time travel thing where they do the where he like fight the big fight yeah the guy decides not to go through because he sees his own death but it's just because he was just standing there like Absorbing another vampire's memories or something. Yeah, yeah. They're, like, the whole yeah, really? all these people, all the mean characters are dying. All the and all of a sudden, he's like, you know, maybe this is a bad idea. Why don't we just go our separate ways? Yeah, yeah. It was like that was the whole punchline of all of these movies and Let's, sparkles and the whole bit. Yeah, yeah. Ugh, I was right to hate this right from the start. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's become its own parody. It really has. Yeah. It's, it's become that, and it was. It wasn't just. It was just a decade ago where. Um, it was enormous. Yeah. It was enormous. So, uh, oh, and one more, of course, that I always uh, like. Uh, and again, starting with a fictional world already, but the Enterprise C. Yes. Yesterday's Enterprise. Another oh, yes. great. And then, of course, morphing into Redemption with Commander Sela. Yes, that's another great example of that. So th- uh, that's my two really. The future is. consequences that, that come about that yeah. you're not even dealing with right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Francis, what about you? What if you had to pick something? Oh, if I had, if I had to pick my favorite, what if? Of Either your if? favorite what if, or maybe like like opposed to to Martin. You know, what about your your ultimate what if? Oh, my ultimate what? If? Oh yeah. man, put me on the spot here. There's just so many. Well, you are the budding novelist. Well, I mean, this you is be true. Able to come up with something. Well, and I'll tell you one thing. I keep going back to. The whole JFK assassination piece. Very fascinating. Uh, I've studied Kennedy a lot in, in, in life, and a lot of the changes, that, that's been done a lot. Stephen King did it better than so many. But I'll tell you another one that was done really, really well, and you might guys remember this, from the new Twilight Zone in the 80s. They did that. A time traveler comes back to observe and 
foils the assassination plot because he's a descendant, mm-hmm. not of Kennedy, but a, a relative or something like that. And it turns out... Well, he could have been a descendant of Kennedy. I want to say it was. Yes, I, I want to say... Kennedy didn't have kids. It's correct. I want to say... Uh, I, I'm reaching back because it's been a long time since I've, uh, I've seen it. But they discover that by his changing everything, there are no futures where the world does not end immediately. Right. It, it basically is complete destruction of the biosphere within so many years because of what happens. Right. Time kind of... And it's interesting. Back. I've seen that consequence to that particular... Uh, what if in several places? It's That's right, and it was, and, and ultimately he ends up taking Kennedy's place and his himself killed as Kennedy, and everybody it's all covered up. And Kennedy himself is sent to the future, and he teaches. He's teaching in the future and stuff like that. It was it was hmm. an interesting. I don't moment. remember that. Uh, it's Twilight Zone. You can you right, can get away right. with that sort of stuff like that. It was very very good. And another one I'll uh, I will uh, I'll go back for is there's a one they did the Once and Future King about Elvis. And oh, I think I've seen you've that. You've seen one. this one where a guy, he comes back from the future, yes. and he meets Elvis. He, he's an Elvis yes. impersonator, and he kills Elvis in a fight accidentally. And, takes and becomes flight, Elvis. And becomes and Elvis. His, and Elvis's mother knows it's not really I mean, Elvis. That's correct. She says, it, you know, and at the very end, and he, and this it was made with the cooperation of the Elvis estate. So there's a whole lot of details in there, and, yeah. and that they make this up. And he becomes Elvis because he knows everything's going to happen. Right. And it, it kind of ends with a, with him talking about you know, hey, she knew her, her son was dead, and he never really came back, and all this stuff like that. He's this is double speak that the audience knows is real, but the reporter thinks he's just something else. So. It's fascinating. It was done around the anniversary of Elvis's yeah, death. Yeah, yeah. Does so, he get hooked on barbiturates and die on the toilet? Uh, yeah, I think yeah, yeah he, he leaves out. It's, it's right before that. It, it, it's it, almost one of those things where he knows it's coming. Uh, that the history that he knows is because he's actually lived. He will actually have lived it. Yeah, so history doesn't actually change. Yeah, because he so knew it's everything kind of an alternative, did. but not really. Yeah, it's uh, it's a those are those are my two fascinating fascinating yeah. stories like that still stuck with it, me it even like there's like a, a lesson in all of these like don't monkey with stuff people well that's well, that's Leave correct you know in the time travel ones that is often the case that's right uh, because quite often what you change you get something worse the the unintended consequences are major well it goes worse. back to that hubris we love to talk yeah. about man cannot be God. And trying to change the past is ultimately something only God has any business doing. Right. And, that's and if he does, we don't know he's done it because, you know, yeah, really. we, we all got revised along with it. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So, for well, me... Well, I love it when we can work Hubris into the <laughs> Oh, absolutely. 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 Well, you know, that's that's what's so fascinating about it. Uh, yeah. Uh, because that it makes it personal. It's not just the events that happen. So, I, I, since I am captain, I will finish up with, with my favorite. I, probably not... I don't even know if I can really even pick a favorite, but... I think one of the ones I find the most fascinating is the Eric Flint stuff, where West, this little town in West Virginia, and he actually models it after a real town in West Virginia, so he gets like a directory from approximately the year that this was written. Oh, so he gets an sweet. idea of the number of people that are in the town, uh, the kind of businesses that are in the town, yes, all, all that kind of, kind of stuff. So yeah, it's that would be very, really very grounded in a real town. Yeah, And it's become so big that there's been a ton of fan fiction that has been done. It was oh, being really? done on uh, one of the online forums. That fan fiction eventually got uh, started to be published in what's called the Grantville Gazette. Grantville is the name of the fictional town. Yeah. And some of those have become, some of those writers in the, the short stories, you know, they basically take ancillary characters mm-hmm. and 
do short stories about them. Some of those have graduated to become full-blown novels in the series. So he's not even the only author in this whole universe that he has created. Wow, that. So all of these ones in the, the Grantville Gazette kind of stuff, it's taking somebody that's an obscure character and seeing what's the effect on this change in this guy's life. This guy who was running a, a self-storage facility, or this, uh, this woman and her family, and what effect does that have on them? Because there's nothing to store in uh, 1600 Germany. Right. But all that stuff that, that's there, how many of those people didn't make it through and therefore that property is now hers that she can sell? Because everything that they bring back with them becomes extremely valuable. People want to buy stuff. So uh, there's a group of uh, uh, kids, the young girls, uh, teenagers, they've outgrown their Barbies and they discovered that monarchs want to buy these like mad. Because, you know, because they're unique, they're one of a kind, you know, and yeah. so they sell them for literally a fortune, and they parlay that into a massive financial empire. Started with a bunch of Barbies that they didn't want anymore. And another group of kids kind of related, they, all right, it's like, because everybody in the town's making money, either because they have some special skill that they can market, or some items, like there's a, 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 a Jewish uh, jeweler. You know, no uh, stereotype there, uh, that he, he, his skills are far beyond anything in 1630s. So he becomes rich teaching it and creating gems for, again, the monarchs of the day. And it's just fascinating some of those little side stories that are done. So it's kind of what you're talking about, uh, Martin, with some of the stuff you were, you were talking about, mm -hmm. you know, the little pieces. Only you get to delve into them really deeply. Yeah. Uh, and see how all these things can take off. To do it to do it well, it requires a lot more than just a two-hour movie, for example. Oh yes, you could never do this. Right. I mean, you would have to do this like a uh, like Stargate was ten seasons of twenty episodes each. Yeah. You'd need at least two hundred episodes to to do this justice. And because it's a uh, transplant in time, history is forever changed. That's right. So there really is no end to what you could do with it. That's right. right. And there's no going back. Right. Yeah. So. You know, the, the Holy Roman Empire is basically done with in the middle of this because uh, it starts with uh, the, the king of Sweden who, who dies shortly there in the real history, shortly after they would uh, they have appeared. And they prevent that because he just happened, his people just happen to be the ones that they encounter first. He is somewhat friendly towards them. And he helps... Uh, they help him become the emperor of the United States of Europe, is what it eventually becomes. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so, you know, the Catholics are not entirely the bad guys, but they're not exactly the good guys in this, which I'm a little perturbed about. Uh, but it's also got, uh, 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 it's got Richelieu and oh, well, yeah. uh, uh, Mazarin, or, yeah. uh, uh, you know, yeah. the guys we have talked about in some of these episodes right. in the past. Uh, and it's just fascinating, all because the, there's so much you can play with. And that, I think, is to me, is one of the better ones because it is so rich. And it's truly alternative history in a, in a unique way. Cool. Very cool. So, anyways, it, to me, it's just fun because I find it a great intellectual exercise. I'm into that. So, I think we've probably pummeled this expired equine enough. Indeed. Yep. Francis, buddy, what's next? Oh, Hoopajube time, boy. Hoopajube! Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Didn't know that was coming. Of course we did. We, you know, whenever it was. What's a hoopajube? That's when they take this big metal. No, sorry. That's okay. Uh, well, that's good. That's good. That's uh, we, we won't go there. We, we won't, won't go, go there. Go there. Won't. That's it. But you know, hoopajoo's—you never know what we're going to get. We work very hard 
not regularly, to come up with the most interesting, weird, totally different ideas ever for our hoopa jubes. This one has got to be one of our best because it's going to be all about smoked meats. Barbecue. Barbecue and all the various iterations that we can go with. We're, you know, Who knows where we're going to go with this? It's going to be fantastic. We're going to talk about, oh, we don't have any barbecue. We need to get some or something like that because, dang, it's going to be mouth-watering. Hope you enjoyed another pointless discussion of eternal questions. Remember, new episodes publish every Friday at noon Eastern. Spread the word. We're on all the major podcast platforms. And leave us a comment or review because that helps others find us. We're on Instagram, Twitter, as well as our website, snakesandotters.com. I'm Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Join us next week, same snake time, same otter channel.